Welcome to the Vedic Mythology, Music, and Mantras podcast. I'm Ben Collins. This podcast takes an entertaining and informative look at some of the inspiring and humorous stories of India's Vedic tradition, followed by recordings of Vedic and other mantras being chanted by traditional Brahmin priests. Show notes and other materials can be found at puja.net, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T. Thanks for joining us. In this week's podcast, we're going to take one last look at Ravana, the king of the demons and antagonist to Rama in the story of the Ramayana. Ravana is much more multidimensional and complex than he's usually presented and thus becomes a particularly fascinating character. He was the son of the sage Vishrava, who was a Brahmin, and his wife Kaikashi, who was a Rakshasa or demon princess. Kaikashi was the daughter of Sumali, a demon who, along with his brothers, had gotten the celestial architect Vishwakarma to build Lanka for them. But they had caused so much trouble that Vishnu came and eventually killed one of the brothers, Mali, and the remaining brothers fled first to Lanka and then to the underworld where they hid from Lord Vishnu. Well, eventually Sumali came out and wandered the earth resembling a dark cloud and wearing earrings of pure gold holding the hand of his daughter who resembled Lakshmi without the lotus. So her father told her to go and see the Rishi Vishrava and ask him to marry her. So she does, and when she finds him, he's in the middle of performing a puja. So she stands, and as the original text describes, with her face bent downward, her eyes fixed on her feet, and repeatedly scratching the ground with the tip of her big toe. Well, Vishrava asks what she wants, and she tells him to use his yogic powers to figure it out. So he goes into meditation and afterwards says to her that he understands she wants sons from him, but that the time is very inauspicious and any children born to them would be cruel, fierce-looking, and given to bad deeds. Well, she persists, and he finally says that, well, the last son will be kind and virtuous, but all the others will be nothing but trouble. Well, in time she indeed has children, and the birth of the first one is described as a hideous child, very cruel, with ten heads, huge teeth resembling a heap of antimony, having coppery lips with twenty hands, vast mouths, and fiery hair. At the time of his birth, vixens appeared emanating flames from their mouths, the rain gods showered blood, clouds thundered fiercely, the sun did not shine brightly, and huge meteors fell to the ground. The earth rocked, the fierce winds blew, and the sea, the lord of rivers, who was incapable of being thrown into commotion, was agitated. Well, his father named him Dashagriva because he had ten heads. Dasha is ten. And it is Dashagriva who later becomes known as Ravana after being renamed by Shiva. After that, other children were born. Kumbhakarna, the giant, the largest being on earth, Suparnaka, a girl who was extraordinarily ugly and eventually, in a very humorous episode, attempts to seduce Rama, and Vibhishana, who was as good and pious as could be predicted. Vibhishana later becomes very devoted to Rama and attempts to find a diplomatic solution to the war between his brother Ravana and Rama over the return of Sita, and we'll come back to Vibhishana later on. One day, Kubera came to visit his father, Vishrava, and he was riding in his pushpaka, the flower car given to him by Brahma, the creator. 
Well, Dasha Griva's mother, Kaikasi, points to Kibera and says, That is your half-brother. Here we are living in the woods like poor people, and look how well he lives. You should be more like him. Well, Dashagriva undertook his austerities with unmatched focus. He went without food for 10,000 years, and after every thousand years he offered one of his heads into the sacrificial fire. Just as he was going to offer his tenth and last head, Brahma appears and asks him what he wants. Well, Dashagriva says that there's no greater fear than that of death, and so I choose immortality. Well, without hesitation, Brahma says, there can be no absolute immortality for you. Choose something else. Well, Jasagriva was not particularly pleased to hear this, and he thinks for a moment, and asks not to be killed by anything in the universe, except for humans whom he considers to be no more trouble than straw. So he thinks that he's gotten what he wants with a small technicality, and to top it all off, Brahma restores his ten heads and gives him the ability to assume any form that he desires. Then Brahma turns to Vibhijana, the good one, and asks him what he would like. Vibhijana asks that he always be steady in his devotion to Dharma, the natural law, and that the divine weapon, the Brahmastra, be his. Well, Brahma readily agrees, and then Brahma turns to their brother Kumbhakarna, and all the gods beg Brahma, saying, This one is just too bad, don't give him anything. Well, Brahma considers the wisdom of this for a moment, and his wife, Saraswati, appears by his side. Well, Saraswati's place is as goddess of speech, and so she's considered to dance on the tip of the tongue. So at Brahma's request, she enters the mouth of Kumbhakarna, and Brahma then asks Kumbhakarna what he would like. And Kumbhakarna suddenly says, I would like Nidratva instead of Nityatva, eternal sleep instead of immortality. Well, pleased with his trick, Brahma said, okay, let it be so, and they all left. Well, a few minutes later, Kumbhakarna realized he's been duped, but there's nothing he can do about it. And eventually he starts to sleep and sleep and sleep until his brothers get the situation changed, at which point... He sleeps for six months and is awake for a day and goes back to sleep for another six months. Well, now that he feels himself immortal, Dashagriva decides to take Lanka away from his half-brother Kubera, the god of wealth. A great battle takes place and Dashagriva takes control of Lanka and even ends up stealing Kubera's pushbaka, his private airplane. He flies off, and as he's passing over a mountain, the pushbaka suddenly stops working and sinks to the earth. As Dashagriva and his advisors are standing around talking about what to do, Nandishwara, an attendant of Lord Shiva, appears and advises Ravana to turn back because Shiva is sporting on the hill with his wife Parvati, and none can pass. Well, at that moment, Shiva's bull, Nandi, appears holding a flaming spear but in the form of a monkey. And Ravana laughs at him. And as we all know, it's probably a mistake to mock a god. And so Nandi says to Dashagriva that monkeys will be born to destroy you and your race. O Rakshasa, I can kill you even now, but I don't need to, for you have already killed yourself by your bad deeds. 
As these words left his mouth, the kettle drums of the gods sounded ominously, and a shower of flowers fell from the heavens. Well, Dasha Griva, not exactly a humble guy, was not terribly impressed, and he said, whoever this Shiva is, he should be mindful of the danger that he faced from him, Dashagriva. And with that, Ravana picked up the hill and shook it, causing Parvati to slip and cling to Lord Shiva. But Shiva pushed the hill back down using just his big toe, which made Dashagriva cry out as his arms were broken. And in fact, he screamed so loudly that all the three worlds were shaken by it, and everyone thought it was the crack of thunder that preceded the dissolution of the universe. Well, knowing that he's in deep trouble, Dashagriva cuts off one of his ten heads and makes strings out of his nerves and sang Stamaveda to Shiva to calm him down. Well, he wasn't really intending to do this for very long, but he got caught up in it, and he sang for a thousand years. Well, this charmed Shiva and he, re he renamed him Ravana, one who wailed loudly. Ravana, never one to let an opportunity slip by, said, Well, if you're pleased with me, then grant me a boon. Ravana asks for a long, long life and a weapon, which Shiva grants, saying that he will live for three and a half crore years. Well, a crore is ten million, so that's pretty close to immortal at forty-five million years. Well, Ravana goes around causing trouble and abusing the power of the sword that Shiva gave him as a weapon until he reaches a place high in the Himalayas where he finds a beautiful girl who has matted hair and is wearing the skin of a black antelope as she sits deep in meditation. Well, Ravana disturbs her and says laughingly, What are you doing here? This behavior is not consistent with your beauty. Your beauty generates madness born of lust in the minds of men. He who enjoys you is a very fortunate person. She explains that her father was the Brahmarishi by the name of Kushadwaja, one of the sons of Brahma the Creator. To that great man, she says, I was born as an incarnation of the Vedas, and so I am known as Vedavadi. Beings from all the worlds, gods, Gandharvans, who are celestial musicians, Yakshas, Rakshasas, they all approached my father, asking for my hand in marriage. But my father felt that only Vishnu would be acceptable for me. And hearing this, Shambhu, the king of the Deityas, a form of demons, killed my father in his sleep. And my mother, who had also earned great merit, took my father in her arms, and they both entered the funeral fire together. And to this day I have installed Narayana, Lord Vishnu, in my heart, so that I may fulfill my father's desire for me. He is my husband, and you may go. Well, Ravana, of course, is still intrigued, and he gets out of his pushpaka and tells her that tapas and meditation is fit only for old ladies, and that she's really wasting her youth and beauty. He invites her to join him as a wife and enjoy all the sensory pleasures that life has to offer. And, oh, by the way, who is this Vishnu that you speak of? He cannot possibly be as great or powerful or wealthy as I am. She tells him not to speak like that, that Vishnu is a great lord and is university, universally admired. But this only sets Ravana off, and he grabs her by her hair with his hand. 
while she simply turns her hand into a sword and cuts her hair off. And in an instant her anger causes a fire to spring up, and she says, Insulted by you, I no longer desire to live. I will enter this fire before your very eyes and will be born again, so that I may cause your destruction. It is not possible for a woman to kill a man of sinful resolve, and I do not wish to waste my hard-earned merit on you by pronouncing a curse. I will appear of Ayonija, which means not born of the womb, as the pure daughter of a pure man, and she entered the fire and disappeared. But then celestial flowers rained down, and she appeared again in a lotus. Well, Ravana took her back with him to Lanka, and showed him to one of his ministers who was good at face-reading, and he told Ravana that if this woman of shapely limbs stays in your house, she will prove to be your destroyer. Well, upon hearing this, Ravana simply threw her into the sea. But it was too late. She washed ashore and was then discovered by King Janaka, who was plowing a field. And so Vedavati became known as Sita, because she came out of the furrow in a field, and in Sanskrit, furrow is Sita. And indeed, she was the cause of Ravana's destruction. Let's switch for a few moments to Vibhishana, Ravana's good brother. And after the war of Lanka, he returned with Rama to Ayodhya, until it was time for Rama to return to heaven. Before he left, Rama told Vibhishana that he should stay on the earth as long as the story of Rama is told. And eventually, Vibhishana makes ret plans to return to Lanka, where he would rule, and Rama gave him a murti of Lord Vishnu with instructions that he should worship Lord Vishnu. Well, this murti was rather heavy, being made of brass or bronze, and Vibhishana was given instructions that wherever he set it down, there it would remain. Well, being a rakshasa, carrying it was no particular problem doing to, due his, to his strength, and eventually his journey home took him to the banks of the Kaveri River in South Tamil Nadu, and he wanted to bathe in the river and do his evening prayers and meditation. So he saw a Brahmin boy nearby and asked him to hold the murti with strict instructions not to set it down. Well, as you might guess, Vibhishana came back from his bath and saw the murti sitting on the ground, and no matter what he tried, he could not lift it up again. He was understandably furious and ran to find the Brahmin boy, who had run up to the top of a huge rock, and when he cornered him, Vibhishana hit him on the forehead, at which time the young Brahmin boy turned into Ganesha and explained that Vishnu had wanted to stay in this place. And so a temple was built to house the Vishnu Murti, and Ganesha still sits in his own temple on top of the huge rock with a dent in his forehead where Vibhishana hit him. The Vishnu temple is known as Sri Rangam, and the original Murti is still there to this day. Sri Rangam is a special place, and it is first among the Divya Desams, the 108 most important temples for Lord Vishnu. And in conflict with all the rules of temple architecture, called Vastu, the temple faces south instead of east, and south is the least auspicious direction. And this is so Vishnu, who lies reclining on his side, can watch over his Rakshasa demon friend and devotee, Vibhijana. And it is said to this day that Vibhijana visits, visits Sri Rangam every night to worship and honor Vishnu. And I've always enjoyed the fact that Vishnu's main temple in all of India breaks so many rules, 
oriented the wrong way so he can walk, watch over a rakshasa. Not a rishi, not some great saint. And it's an ongoing reminder that no matter where you start, whatever kind of individual you are at this moment, from any place in life the divine is within your reach, and so no rules apply except simple devotion. So this week I thought I'd start off with something for Kubera, who lost his kingdom in his flying car, the Pushpaka. So we're going to start with Sri Kubera Stotram. Then, because Saraswati did such a wonderful job, job tricking Ravana's giant brother, Kumbhakarna, we'll listen to Saraswati Stotram, and then Vani Stavam. Vani is another sta- name of uh, Saraswati. And I'll be posting another podcast within the next couple of days, but then I'm going to India for Navaratri, the nine days of Mother Divine, so I'll be taking a break for a couple weeks, and we'll be back again the beginning of October. Thanks so very much for listening. Here's Kubera Stotram.
अथ श्री सरस्वती स्त्रोत्र सरस्वती नमस्यामी चेतनाथिता कंठस्था पद्मयोनेस्तु हिमाकिस्पदा मदिता वरदा शुद्धा वीना हस्तवर प्रदा ऐं ऐं मंद्र प्रिया ह्रीं ह्राम कुमतिध्वंसकारिणी सुप्रकाशा निरालंबाज्ञानतिरापहा शुक्ला मोक्ष प्रदा रम्या शुभांगा शोभन प्रदा पद्मोपविष्टा कुंडलिनी शुक्लवर्ना मनोरम आदिमंडलेना प्रणमा हरिप्रियासुतानेगीशे न महात्मना आत्मा दर्शयामास शरदिंदुसम प्रभा सरस्वती उवाच परम वृणीश्व भद्रम ते ये मनसी वर्तते बृहस्पतिवाच वरदायी मे देवी सम्यम प्रय्छ मे सरस्वती उवाच इदम ते निर्मल ज्ञानमतिरापहम स्त्रोत्रेण मौती सम्यक् वेद विदो नर लभते परम ज्ञानम मम तोल्यपराक्रमं त्रिसध्यम यटे निस्विदम जपते सदा तंठे सदा वासम क्या न संशय
ಸಪಂಡಿತಸ್ಚ ಮೇಧಾ 